Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. What's going on, City Life? Easter was off the chain. Incredible. Thank you to everybody who helped serve and make that possible. But the good news wasn't just for last weekend that Jesus is alive, but that he is still alive and we live forever with him. He's making all things new. That's something to celebrate. Today we have such a special moment, a hero of mine that is going to be sharing this morning. There was moments when I would sit behind a computer desk and I'd be Googling and searching and dreaming of all the things that God was calling me to do and preparing in our family follow people that were doing heroic things, one of which planted a church in Hamtramck, Detroit area, huge Muslim population, moved his family, picked up everything, jumped right in to start real church. Then they renamed it Courage Church. And then they expanded. They were meeting in a nightclub. And then they moved to Mexican town and had multiple locations. And all of that was so inspiring to our family. They had multiple kids living right downtown Detroit. There was no place they were scared of. I would read his blog and it would inspire me and stir me up and give me hope. Because you know that. That's what heroes do. They, they give us hope, but they point us to the greatest hero, which is Jesus. And so today, one of my personal heroes, who's now become a personal friend that my wife and I have had the privilege to uh, be in relationship with and learn. And I, I hope today that you're impacted as much as that my life's been impacted, our life's been impacted. Would you give a warm city life welcome to Pastor Chili Shilton? Awesome. It's so good to be here today. How you doing? Good. You're allowed to talk back, all right? So just feel free to talk with me if you're out there today. Um, it'll go quicker for all of us if you do. So. I am so thankful when Pastor Jerome contacted me and invited me to share this morning. Um, I was just thrilled. And and uh, last week was epic right here. I, I heard that over 1,100 people were ministered to through this church last week in this building. Is that insane or what? Praise be to God for that. God is giving you specific influence in this community, and, and it is just a joy for me to be part of that. One of the things as I was thinking about, and Pastor Jerome and I were talking about today's message and and, and where he was going and, and where he wanted us to be with us in this We Live Forever context was talking about, about something that's real fundamental in our lives. And I'm going to take a very familiar passage of Scripture today and, and, and break it down into a whole different way for you. In fact, I want you to be able to leave here today. My goal today is that you would leave here today so aware of why God saved you. And if you haven't met Jesus yet, you're going to meet him today. All right? Today's your day. You don't have to wait another second to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He wants to do that in your life today. So I'm excited. You know, I have been on this journey with God. And, and as Jerome was sharing about our, our ministry for many years in Detroit. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, now God is leading us on another absolutely crazy adventure and uh, in, a, in a couple weeks, we are moving to Burlington, Vermont, and uh, we're launching something called 
Revolution Youth Community. Literally, in, in, in Burlington, Vermont is considered one of the, in fact, the number one most unchurched city in America. And, uh, and so we are going where, where really they, they would say, we have lost our young people. We have lost our teenagers. They just, uh, you know, 62% of the whole community is unchurched, never been to church once. And that number just continues to increase as you get younger. Uh, it's also considered one of the most post-Christian communities. If you think, you know, here our, our nation began in that New England, and, and, you know, so you will see churches, beautiful churches throughout the side of, of that community. And yet now they're just nightclubs and bars and venues, or, or they're, they're universalist church pastored by people who don't believe in God. It's just crazy. And we're at this stage in life going, man, somebody should do something about that. And God used some absolutely crazy supernatural ways of calling us to go and to do something that no one was doing and uh, no one was asking us to do. But God, God has the last say in America. Amen. He has the last say. And they may say that's already too far gone or that's post-Christian. But God says, I've got another move. I've got another play. And he's looking for people who would be willing to do that kind of things. I've said for a long time, my availability is God's opportunity to do something great through me. That I would wake up every morning and say, I'm available, God. Pick me. You know, and, and we all know that from the time we were little, we knew how to be picked. You were at a kickball game, you knew how to go, pick me. Put me on your team. We knew how to make ourselves available. And I think a lot of us are going, pick someone else. Or I put money in the offering so they would do it. But God's looking for our availability and if you'll be available, he'll give you the greatest life you could ever imagine. You see, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that is not just a celebration of the victory. It is the kickstart to your victory. It, it gives us the hope to keep going. So today, I simply want to take a few minutes of your time and talk about grasping your adventure. How do you do it? We say we live forever, but how do you do it? I don't want to just live forever. I don't want to just exist. I want to really live. I want to live. I want people to go, what are you on? Right? I want people to wonder, what is the thing about us? Why are we always so happy? You know? And then we can say more than just because smiling's my favorite. But if we say, Jesus is my favorite. He makes me smile, but I heard you went through this. Yeah, rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. How we respond to it is what sets us apart. We go through hardships. We go through trials. I've been going through things. I can't even imagine why. I don't have the answer. Somebody says, why do you think? Now you probably know why you went through this. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I will know one day, but one day it won't matter. Because I went ahead and started my eternal life already. You know, and once I get there, everyone's like, I've got a lot of questions. But the minute you get there, you'll have the mind of God, and you won't have any questions. It's kind of a bummer for a second because you go, i got to ask some stuff. But then you already know it, and you just be a know-it-all, but then everyone else is, so you can't be a know-it-all. Today I want to talk about this guy, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we, we've heard about him, and that's why we're going to spend our time in John 3 today. But did you know that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, a guy named Joseph and a guy named Nicodemus showed up at the cross, risking their lives, going and asking for the body of Jesus to take it off the cross and to bury it. 
And Nicodemus and Joseph came and it said Nicodemus brought 75 to 100 pounds of these anointing material and, and, and spices and expensive perfume. Psalm 45 talks about that perfume that said the robe of Jesus would smell like this. And it's the exact stuff that he brought, but he brought like 100 pounds of it to anoint Jesus. So he came risk-taking and totally generous at the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the guy, go back to John chapter 3, that we meet in this story. Now let me kind of set the story up for you. John chapter 3, imagine that you're on the rooftop in Palestine. You can picture that, that, that stone type of buildings, and they have a little back porch. And Jesus is sitting in the early evening on the back porch of this house in Palestine. His ministry is now going. Jesus has been baptized in water by John the Baptist, where the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit descended, and Jesus came out of the water. So the Trinity was all present at that moment. Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted for 40 days where he would fast and the enemy would bring everything he had and Jesus would defeat him again and again but the word of God again and again. Jesus would come out of that temptation, be invited to a wedding. His mom would jumpstart his ministry and say, this is it. And he turned water into wine and began a miracle there. His followers started coming around him and Jesus started talking about the kingdom of God. Great things are happening, and, 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 and people are starting to hear, and Jesus has just been going. I don't feel like since he was baptized, he's hardly had a chance to breathe. And here he is on this rooftop in Palestine in the evening, maybe just, and he hears these footsteps coming up the back stairs. And Jesus peeks over the edge, and he can tell by the clothing on that guy, oh, it's a religious leader. It's a Pharisee. The people are always giving me grief. Can a brother get a break? That's how I would feel maybe. We would start talking about ministerial ethics and you need time to get alone. You need time to get away from it. You know, you have to be able to say no. No, this is Jesus. Praise God that he's never said no to us. You know, we can come at the worst possible time. Jesus goes, I'm here. I never sleep. I never slumber. I got time for you. And this Nicodemus, he sneaks up to Jesus He's been, he's been following Jesus. He's been seeing what he does. And he bends down and he whispers. He says, Rabbi, we all know that you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing and God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in it. By the way, I'm reading from the message today. If it sounds a little different, just want to give you a new perspective on this familiar verse. Verse 3 says, Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, or you've heard born again, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. Verse 4, how can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't reenter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? And so Jesus patiently begins to talk to him. He begins to explain to him why he's there. He has time for Nicodemus. And then he gets to where we land, verse 16, John 3, 16. Any of us that have ever been to church once or twice have probably heard this verse. But Jesus 
wasn't saying, hey, Nicodemus, I need you to get a marketing company and make some really cool plaques and sell this in the Christian bookstore. I want you to make some T-shirts with John 3.16. You know what would really be cool? If at sporting events you would write John 3.16 on signs and hold them up in the end zone or at... <coughs> no, that's not what he's saying at all. John 3.16 is not a motto or a catchphrase for Christians. He goes, this is how you do it. You want to know how you're born again? Do you want to know how to live the adventurous life? Here's how you do it. And maybe you've heard about this verse your whole life, but you've never heard a message preached from it. I just want to take this passage and break it into what I'm calling today, grasping your adventure, but really looking at these things that are five epic God qualities that have to increase in me. So Jesus says, here's verse 16 from the message. This is how much God loves you, Nick. Ah, I love this. First ever episode of Nick at Night. <laughs> this is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves the world. This is how much God loves you, whoever you are in this room. This is how much God loves you. He gave his son, his one and only son. Jesus could have said right there, by the way, that's me. And this is why. Here's why. That no one need be destroyed. No one. There's no joy in anyone ever going to hell. There's no joy in Hitler going to hell. There's no joy in anyone going to hell. Because Jesus died so that no one would have to. So that no one would be destroyed. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and everlasting life. A whole and everlasting life. You see, we are not here, Christians, to exist did you have a job and a minivan and a lawnmower? God has something better for you than just existing. Try to make it 70, 80, 90 years. He wants you to have a whole, an abundant, a full life. He wants you to be able to say, I live an adventure. And I would testify to you today that when God radically, radically saved me at 17, he flipped the script on my life and changed everything in me. And I have had the joy of all these years later living an adventure. And I don't have much time for boring Christians. I don't. I will hang out with the world, but I will not hang out with haters, posers, and wannabes. God created you for something great. Something awesome. And I think the reason people aren't coming to know Jesus more often is they look at us and they go, that seems pretty boring. That seems kind of ordinary. What's different about you than my neighbor? In fact, some of our neighbors are more generous than we are. They're better at neighbors. And yet God said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Mm. You see, I think that when God wrote, when Jesus spoke, John 3, 16, obviously he wasn't saying 3, colon, 16. That was done a little later. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way you're like, we've read the Bible so long, we're just like, what's going on? When he said that, he was going, Nicodemus, you've been a religious leader your whole life. You've been trapped in it. You know all the rules. You know all the th ways to be a Christian. I related to that. Pastor's kid, I was saved at 17. 
Everyone thought I was saved my whole life. I was saved like through osmosis. You know, you're rounded enough. You can quote it. You can act it. You can do it. You can, I'm not doing bad things. But it meant nothing to me personally, and I didn't care that people were going to hell. And all of a sudden, the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me and went, it's not just I learned a pattern of how to live and be a good boy, but that God had saved me for purpose. And there's an adventure. And my, my, the students that don't know Jesus need to know Jesus. And he set me loose from myself. And here's Nicodemus, this religious dude. And maybe you, you grew up in church, you know all the ins and outs. You know how to pray. That's not enough. And you know that. If you don't come alive at the presence of Jesus, it's not enough. And maybe you're the other side. Maybe you're like, you know, you've never known Jesus. You've never heard the message. Hey, he saves dirty tax collectors hiding in trees. There's none of us that doesn't need a Savior. And there's none of us that, after meeting the Savior, shouldn't live an adventurous life. That's what I want to talk about. So today, this message is for me. And you can come along and play along with me, all right? But I'm just writing it to, to me. When I wrote these words, these are five God qualities that have to increase in me. When I read John 3:16 again, and I'm reading it from the message again today, but I, I said, God, speak to me through this passage that I've known my whole life. And he began to transform me. And he said, number one, this is what has to increase in you, Chili. Crazy, awesome, amazing love. I like using a lot of words for love. I love you. Now, nah, when you're really in love, you find ways to say you love each other. I'm old school. You see, I have my beautiful wife, Netta, over here. And my kids are over here, Courtney and Zoe and Max and Chase and my spiritual daughter, Marissa. And, and uh, I, I am so grateful. I have beautiful family. I had so much fun making them. And... Uh, God just has this amazing plan for our life. You know, God knows what love is. God knows he designed us for love. But I'll tell you this. See, I'm old school. So when my wife and I were courting, we had to write it on paper. And we had to, like, hang up a phone onto a wall and walk away from it. But I'll tell you something. Absence makes the heart fonder. Some of you, you just like text, 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 but you can't spray perfume on a text. My wife would write me notes, and I would take them out later and be like, mm. <laughs> You know, that opens up a whole nother set of senses, you know? Your emoji can't do nothing to her perfume. <laughs> but I got a little smiley yellow guy with a, you know, yeah. You want to be romantic, fella? Go old school. Write it on paper. <laughs> and girls, you write back if they're, if they're worthy, you know. And ch -ch -ch, yeah, trust me on that. Where am I at? I don't even know. Oh, we're talking about awesome, crazy love. You see, that's just it. God could have sat up in heaven and said, you know, send another prophet to tell him how to get straightened out. He could have just said, start another, you know, set of rules. He instead, he said, I want to save them all. I want to love these people who aren't even loving me. In this 400 years of darkness, the church isn't growing. 
People are not crying out for Savior. There's a few prophets that have said the Messiah is coming. But nobody's all jazzed about it. And then when he shows up, he doesn't show up the way they want. Who shows up as a baby? He needed to come on a white horse and come marching in with military. He comes as a baby. But this is love. This is God's love. You see, John 3.16 begins and it says, this is how much God loved the world. God loves everyone, you guys. And love is God. 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, let us continue to love each other because love comes from God and everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. You see, our love can't be conditional when I, you know, with who I like to love and who I don't want to love. It can't be occasional when I feel like loving. Love should grow and improve in us every single day. Every day. Love should be growing in us because Jesus is in us. We don't just accept a religion. We accept a relationship. We have Jesus on the inside. The Holy Spirit is helping us love him. And we should love him with all of our heart. Everything we have, all that we can, because we live forever. And we're already started. Number two, I need that love, and I need miracle-growing generosity. See, it says second all in verse 16, he gave his son, his one and only son. Wow. God's offering paid the price for my sin and yours. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Can there be more generosity than that? In fact, I'll tell you this. God's generosity always is a testimony. I said, one of my mentors told me early on, never resist a generous impulse. Anytime you're crazy generous, it's got to be God because it's not in your nature and it's certainly not in Satan's. So you can know when you all of a sudden go, I'm going to do something crazy generous. And you go, I can't afford it. You go, I can't afford not to. I got to be generous. I got to be generous. It's not always about money, but if you think it is, that's your problem for you. But it's anything. It's your time. It's your talent. It's your resources. It's your availability, like I said. Church isn't a spectator sport. If you're not a part of this, you need to be a part of it. Not just one who just sees on Sunday morning. <coughs> We've got to take it outside of these walls. That's what it is. So generosity, it defines us. It goes on in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. It says, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son into the world so that we might through him, or that might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. That's powerful, isn't it? It's not about me going, okay, I'm going to love you now. It's me identifying that he loved me and letting his love into my life. I, I will fail in loving others if I trust myself to do it. But if I let his love come in and transform me, I can love anyone, anytime, place. That's so important, isn't it? I love it. I love this. Someone who loved me did that because, you know, in, uh, right before the service, I, they got me this really nice big coffee. I was backstage and I kicked it over and 
I'll spill it all over the floor as a drink offering unto the Lord. And then God replenished it without me asking. It's very, okay. Anytime I can work coffee into a message, I just try to do it. So the only thing that could cover my debt was Jesus. The only thing that can cover your debt is Jesus. So God couldn't give anybody else. He couldn't give anything else. He had to give his son. And he did. And Jesus lives a sinless life. And he stretches out his arms and he dies for us. And you know what? Nicodemus doesn't just have a change of faith. He has a change in generosity. When he showed up to meet Jesus, he didn't even bring an offering in John 3. Proverbs would have taught him, get wisdom and pay for it. To bring something for the person that you're going to seek wisdom from. But he didn't. But at the end, he's bringing 100 pounds of spices and anointing. It's transformation in his life. Before he was the religious dude, everyone looked at him. How do you live your life? How do you be a good believer? Now he's going, it's all about Jesus. And that changes the game in generosity. We need love and we need generosity because we live forever. And true generosity will pay any price to see others receive eternal life through Jesus. Yeah. True generosity pays any price to see someone saved. You know, in this room, there's some of the most epic givers and generous people I've ever met. Fred Mendoza, one of my good friends over here, is one of the most generous, selfless, sacrificial people I've ever met. He would do anything for the kingdom, anything to see people saved. Man, and there's no, hey, recognize me or do something. It's like that's the joy. That's why we were designed. We have this set of gifts that we all have different gifts. But when we use them for the kingdom, that's where we come alive. That's where we come alive. Okay, number three, number three here. I, I need to increase in me, past forgetting and joy-provoking forgiveness. You know, we stink at forgiving people. It's like, I just want you to know I forgive you. Because what you did was really horrible, and I, I think you're really unkind, and it really hurt my feelings. But I forgive you. And then next time we see him, you go, man, that still really bothers me. And they're like, I thought you forgave me. Oh, I did forgive you, but um, I, I still think about it, but don't, no sweat. No, 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 no. You bet if Jesus was like that, every time you prayed, he went, can I talk to you about every sin I've ever forgiven you from? We don't have time for that in my prayer life. Because right now I'm just praying five minutes before I go to work. Mm. Okay. Second Peter 3, 9 says, God is restraining himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He doesn't want anyone lost. Nobody. He's giving everyone space and time to change. See, forgiveness it says, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. No one. No joy in anyone not making it. No joy in seeing someone not make it. You know, I think you only love God as much as the person you love the least. Because you want all the forgiveness without giving it? How can we say we've been transformed if his forgiveness doesn't make us forgivers? How can we say that God's really saved us? How have we been saved if we hold grudges and bitterness towards people? We're like the story in the Bible that, you know, here is the man who was forgiven much and he, he let the guy off and then the guy forgiven a little wants to take him to, take him to school. You know, you may have reason. You say, I've been hurt, I've been abused, I've been taken advantage of. Not more than Jesus. 
And we've all been there. The Bible says rain falls on the righteous and unrighteous alike. It's how we respond to the rain that makes us different. We go through trials. We go through hardships. It's not fair. Things happen. But Jesus is there, and he never leaves us nor forsakes us, never turns his back on us. You see, Ephesians 4, 31 says, Make a clean break from all the cutting, from all the backbiting, from all the profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. Quick. You know, somebody goes, hey, I need to ask you for you. You're like, I forgive you. But I want to just lay it all out. You don't even have to. I forgive you. Totally. Everything? Yep, totally. Everything. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to ask you about it again. I'm going to smile next time I see you. I forgive you. Totally. You're like, well, that's really hard. It is. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit, but you have him. He lives in you. He helps you. You know, we can't just go, well, I just really struggle with forgiveness. No, you, you struggle, but not in forgiveness. You, you struggle in actually being, letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a salvation problem, not just an issue that you have in forgiveness. Let him transform your life, not just be an additive. Let him have all of you so that all of him can work through you. You'd be amazed. You're, you're like, it's exciting when you watch Jesus doing things through you that you wouldn't do had it not been for Jesus. I love that. And forgiveness is right there where it's at. Forgive people. Forgive what they've done. And free them to live amazing lives. Forgive them so much that you want their life to be blessed. You haven't forgiven them enough till you want their life to be blessed. You want no guilt, no remembrance, no bitterness. You want their life to be awesome. That's how much you forgive them. Not, okay, well, I don't want anyone to go to hell, so I guess I forgive you. It's like, no, I want you to have fun with your life. I want you to experience the adventure too. Enjoy your forgiveness so much that you love seeing others forgiven. Come on, think about it. See, maybe that's our problem, right? We all feel guilty all the time. He forgives us, but we still walk around with our heads down. No wonder people don't want to be Christians. We're always apologizing for being Christians. You know, hey, can you come to the party on Friday night? No, I can't, man. I'm a Christian. Instead of you going, I party all the time. Are you crazy? People should be asking you on a Monday morning going, what are you on on Monday morning? I used to get asked that after God saved me as a 17-year-old. I went back in my senior year. At the locker next to me was the guy who dealt cocaine in my high school, huge high school. And he goes, I got to ask you, who are you getting your stuff from? Because everybody gets it from me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, this isn't cocaine. This isn't drugs. This is Jesus Christ. I meet with him every morning. He's on my Wheaties box, the breakfast of champions. This is what he's done in my life. And he was like, oh, you're going to be bad for business. Two weeks later, the captain of the football team would give his life to Jesus and God would begin to move throughout my high school. A place where I could have just been that religious pastor's kid, done my thing, got my grades, gone on, got my seminary training, and like D.L. Moody, trafficked unlived truth. Like he said about many Christians. No, I want to be able to say God transforms our life and we live differently, not we preach differently. We live differently. They gotta see it. This world's suspicious of us. Number four, 
complete unwavering acceptance. Still in John 3, 16, it says, but by believing in him, anyone. Believing. That word belief that you find in there, anyone who believes in him, it is a Greek word and it's powerful. It's called pisteo. Pisteo is this Greek word and it's got three definitions all in one word. It's a power word. It means complete faith and confidence that Jesus is the son of God and savior of all humanity. All right? So it means complete faith and confidence. That's belief. Then it means complete surrender to Christ as Lord of your life. So I don't just believe it. I let him take over. All right? I I have complete confidence, complete belief that Jesus did it, and he becomes Lord. We've said this. You know, we like to make him Savior, but we don't like to make him Lord. But he's got to be Savior and Lord. So it's both. And then it's complete trust that Christ will finish all that he promised. You see, let me just sum that up so you can get it. To believe is far more than a mental decision. It's complete faith, surrender, and trust in Christ demonstrated in selfless obedience to the Lord. That's our adventure. That's what it means to believe. When you say, I believe in Jesus, that's what it means. It means, I believe it with all my heart. I've let him become the Lord, and I know he's going to finish what he started. Right? That's what I'm talking about. And number five, worship team, you can come back. We're almost done. We'll put a bow on this. Number five things that I need to increase in my life if I'm going to live this adventure is I need nonstop daily adventure. Christians, why do we look so bored? I think we got way too much time for coffee houses. And I, I'm preaching to myself here, remember. But we're not transforming them and the communities around them. We, we love to gather, but we are called to go. We, we like to form our securities in, in, in our secret little places, in our, in our little groups. And we, we like to convince ourselves that we're okay because we're better than most. Man, adventure is not finding somebody worse than you and just thinking, okay, I must be an okay Christian because that person's really messed up. It's going, I was messed up. They don't have to stay messed up. I, got, I can do something about that. I can be their friend. That's our testimonies, man. That's our testimonies. That somebody stepped up and said, you don't have to live like this. Your pastor's a former drug dealer in the streets of Lansing. Somebody said, your future hasn't been written by the world. Satan said, I came to steal and destroy and rob and rip off. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And who the sun sets free is really free. And we need to start looking like free people instead of people who got saved and then forgot our freedom somewhere. It's like we're living in a prison, but the doors are open so we know we can get out anytime we want, but we still act like convicts. How is the world ever going to see a difference if we don't live differently? I can go to New England and tell them what the Bible says, but they're biblically illiterate. So I've got to demonstrate it with my life and my words. And that's the culture that we are going to see in the next generation, friends. But it's the same culture that we saw in the New Testament church. It's not enough just to go, well, I 
I've got a plaque here that says John 3.16. I've got a life here that says John 3.16. I've got a life, and that's what Nicodemus had. He didn't have a scripture verse. He didn't have a sign on the wall. He had a Jesus who he met on a rooftop and said, you ought to be born again. And he goes, I don't even understand it, but I want it. And he began to unlearn, be born again into faith, born again into joy, born again into hope. What's your deficiency? Where do you find yourself comfortable? What's your comfort zone? You need to get out of it. Because if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. God's called you out. And it's an adventure. People will follow you. Not because of your titles or because of your experience, but because of your courage. Because of your love. This is who he is. He said... Anyone can have whole and everlasting life. Eternal lives begin. Would you embrace your destiny and live the thrill of following Christ? Embrace your destiny. So then Jesus says the next line. He didn't say, write this down, 3 colon 17. He just was still talking. And he said, Nick... God didn't do all God didn't go through all this trouble of sending me merely to point an accusing finger. That's what the world thinks of us. He goes, that's not why I came not to he didn't come to make me an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And he lets us help him. We can help make the world right again. How do we do it? Love, generosity, forgiveness, acceptance, adventure. All summed up in that little John 3.16. Maybe you can go home and open that in your Bibles and write that message in your own words to you like I wrote it to me. You know, as we were praying, Jerome and I last night, that's the exact words God said to me. He said, Chili, you're Nicodemus. You were almost lost because you were so jaded by the religion of your life. Growing up in the pastor's home, seeing all the hurt and the pain and the hypocrisy all around you. But that's not who you are. I came to give you a life. And Jesus met me where I was, gave me a burden for lost people. And I've gone all over the world and seen people come to know Jesus all over the world. A kid who just radically said, I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready to love you. I had my Nick at Night moment at a camp in Wisconsin. I'm sure every kid in my youth group thought, if he's going to hell, we're all going to hell. Because I was such a good kid, honestly. But I didn't give a rip that people were going to hell. I didn't read the Bible because I loved God. I just read it because I was supposed to. I could pray like a champion when my parents had visitors over. But I didn't pray like I knew Jesus. I didn't have a relationship like that. I didn't listen to him. See, learning how to act like a Christian isn't being a Christian. Becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus and living like he did is how we do it. That's what we see in Nicodemus. And that's why he's still around at the crucifixion and beyond. I want to be around to the last minute making a difference for Jesus. Would you stand with me in this place? I'm going to pray with you. Worship team's going to lead us in a sign and we'll be gone. But here's what I want to do today. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life. 
and trusted him with your whole heart. You might have a list of reasons of how you've been hurt and how the church has let you down or so on and so forth. I don't know that. All I know is that Jesus is walking in the room today and you can climb up to his porch and he will allow you to be born again. He'll come in and forgive you and fresh start it. He doesn't make you perfect, but gives you a path and he fills you with his presence so that you can live that life. Maybe you've been trapped in religion and maybe people around you would go, what, wait, you? That was me. Or maybe you're at the other end and it's just like, this is my first time ever even being in a church and it's in a high school or something. Wherever you are, if you're here right now and you say, I don't want to wait another Sunday, another day, another minute. I need to get things right with Jesus. I'm going to pray with you. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to do anything. I just want to raise, I want you to raise your hand so I know that that's you. You say, I need to get things right with God today. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hands are going up. No one's closing their eyes. No one's doing anything like that. We're just, hands are going up all over this room. If you know Jesus already, if you already know Jesus, I want you to move right now to somebody who's got their hand up. It's all over this room. Hands are up. I want you to move. If you already know Jesus, you really know Jesus, move. Just move to somebody, hands up. Please keep your hand up until we get somebody over there. And then you can put it down once somebody comes, but keep it up so that we can find you. Up in the balcony there. All right, I'm just making sure we've got everyone. Hands are up all over this room. Woo! sending your son Jesus Christ to live a sinless life to die on the cross and to raise from the dead I believe it and I say it with my lips Jesus is Lord and Savior so I ask right now for your forgiveness take away every sin that I have ever committed every hurt that I've been holding on to and set me free to live the adventure that you designed for my life. Because you died for me, Jesus, I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.